This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Today's message, um, I'm going to be coming from a familiar text, a familiar book in Scripture, in the Old Testament Scriptures. You will be familiar with this text. We, we learned about it. Some of you learned about it. When you were a child growing up in Sunday school, you would, have, you would have talked about this scripture. There are skeptics concerning this book. There's a lot of controversy around this book, and you'll hear the reason why that is. You know, there's a lot of people that try to um, escape situations, Whether we escape, we want to escape because we don't like the situation, because it's uncomfortable, maybe because even it's a dangerous situation. And so we try to escape. And sometimes we are successful at escaping and sometimes not so successful. There are people that try to escape their countries. They risk dangerous, lurky waters to to escape a living condition in their country. They risk their lives because they want to get away from a situation. And some of them are successful and some of them are not so successful. Today's message, this sermon today, we're going to understand that while we may be able to escape situations and circumstances, there is one thing that you can never escape and that is the presence of God. You can't escape it. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, Your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Today, we're going to look at the book of Jonah. Jonah is a very familiar book. You'll see that in Jonah chapter one, Jonah gets instructions and he's running from God. Jonah chapter two, Jonah is in the belly of a fish and he prays and God releases him. He prays and repents and God releases him. Jonah chapter three, Jonah, you know, he's, he's going to do what the do what the work of the Lord is. And Jonah chapter four, he's mad with God for being merciful. And God will teach Jonah a very insightful message about God's heart as well as Jonah's heart. Jonah is in the Old Testament scriptures. It's, it's, you know, a few books before we enter into the New Testament. It's a very short book. It only has four chapters. And most people, they may know the, the story of Jonah, but it's important for us to know that God gives Jonah instructions in this book. He gives God, um, um, Jonah, an assignment in this book. And Jonah does not like the instruction, nor does he like the assignment. So he runs in the opposite direction of God's instructions and will for his life. And because of that, he rebelled against God and he finds himself in a predicament. Somebody say a predicament. Whenever you are running out of God's will, whenever you are running against God's instructions and his, his will for your life, you will always end up in a predicament. Jonah finds himself in a deep predicament. The title of today's message, I was going to go somewhere else, but the title of today's message, let me give you that, is coming into alignment with our God assignment. Coming into alignment with our God assignment. You know, a lot of people think that this book is about Jonah because it's named after him. Some people may think that this book is about a great fish. Or some people think that it's about a wicked city named Nineveh. But this book has nothing to do with that. Oh, it depicts it. It talks about it. But this book is about God's sovereignty. Say sovereignty. Sovereignty means God created all things. He's above all things. He's before all things. He knows all things. He's the ultimate source of power and authority. And that God, sovereignty means, is in full control. 
This is the sovereignty of God. And this is what this book is about. And the sooner we embrace the fact that we serve a sovereign God, the better our lives will be for it. So let me tell you about the life of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet during the reign of King Jeroboam II. About 760 BC, he was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And at this time, God instructed Jonah to go and preach a threat of judgment to the city of Nineveh. This is not uh, norm for prophets in the Old Testament because prophets in the Old Testament will give a word to the children of Israel. They didn't necessarily go out of the nation to give messages to um, surrounding nations. But every now and again, God would do that. And this is where we find Jonah. I want us to read Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. I was going to read the entire chapter and I said, well, that'll be too long. And then I thought some of y'all didn't read the Bible all week. So if I read the whole chapter, that will cover the fact that you haven't read the Bible, but we don't got time. So Jonah chapter one, verses one to three. Here we go. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. There's a lot of people that that frown upon Jonah. They make a mockery of Jonah. They even laugh at Jonah because he's trying to flee from the presence of God. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was 500 miles east from where Jonah was. Jonah ends up going on a ship, going down to Joppa, going to Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles away from God's direction for his life. Jonah calls himself fleeing from the presence of God. And so we've laughed at Jonah. How could you flee from the presence of an almighty God? Well, that's stupid because God is sovereign and he's omnipresent. Well, what does that mean? Present means now. Omni means universal. That means he's universally now. Wherever you are, he is. What did he tell uh, um, Moses? I am. Not I was. But I am that I am. I am now. I'm the all-present God. I'm universally present. If you go down to Joppa, I'm there before you got there. If you go to Nineveh, I'm there too. If you go to Tarshish, I'm there. If you take the wings of the morning and fly in the uttermost depths of the earth, even there, my presence is. Oh, today is going to be a real one, guys. I haven't even gotten warmed up yet. And Jonah, so we laugh at Jonah because he's trying to flee from a God who's everywhere. And no, there's nowhere that he does not exist. And he's trying to flee from this God. But I wouldn't be so quick to judge Jonah. Because we've all had our Jonah tendencies. Where we've tried to run. And you may say, well, I haven't really ran from the presence of God. Hold on a second. We're going to touch that. Well, I, I haven't really ran from the presence of God. Well, the translation, when it, when it says that he ran from the presence of God, he's not talking about, the writer is not talking about running from God's eyesight or running from God's um, being or presence or essence. It's talking about running from God's will. Listen, I've been there. We've all, if we want to be honest with ourselves, we've all been there where we have tried. And some of us in this room are there today. And some of us watching online, you're being a Jonah in this moment. Why do you say that, Pastor Nadine? Because you're running from the will of God, the instructions of God, and the invitations of God for your life. I've struggled with God's will in my life at times. I didn't like how long he was taken. So I pulled to Abraham and Sarah. His plan wasn't what I I was thinking for my life. Uh, His timing wasn't according to my urgency of the prayer request. And so God was taking too long. And so we take matters into our own hands. Oh, we have rebelled. 
against God's will. Oh, yes, we have. We have rebelled against his invitations and his instructions for our lives. And he tells you, yes, why don't you share your testimony with your coworker? I don't want them in my business like that. Why don't you invite the, the barista at Starbucks or the person at Publix into uh, the, the Christmas program or, or to church? Well, God, I, I don't have time to talk right now. Or why don't you cut that relationship? Oh, but we've been in it for too long. We give God all these excuses of why we can't follow his directions for our lives. But giving God an excuse will not abdicate the fact that you are supposed to align yourself and be obedient to his instructions for your life. Some of us are in Christ by salvation, but outside of him by rebellion. Oh, boy. I rebuke this right here. This time thing. In Jonah chapter 1, we find Jonah running from God's will. He's running from the will of God. He didn't like the instructions. And we'll find out why in a minute. And God will ruin Jonah's plans. He intercepts Jonah's plans by appointing a storm. Not to harm him, but to redirect him. There are some storms in your life that has been appointed by God. Why? To get you in alignment with God's will for your life. So sometimes the prison sentence is a storm appointed by God. The loss of job, the difficulty, these things are meant to redirect us. So we can't say it's the devil. No, God's appointing is taking place in our lives. So Jonah knows that he's in rebellion. He's on this ship. He, re he knows he's in rebellion. And he knows his rebellion is the reason for the storms. So he tells the, the mariners, the, the sailors, to throw him overboard and the storm will stop. I have two issues with this. One, if you know your disobedience is what's causing the storm, then what will stop the storm is your obedience. Tell the mariners, turn the ship around, and instead of heading to Tarshish, head to Nivea, like God said. But sometimes we're so wrong and strong. We're so strong in our rebellion that it blinds us of common sense. Our sin is so blinding against us that we can't see to make the right decisions. I have a next issue, another issue with, with throw me off the boat. Throw yourself off the boat. Why are you bringing me into your drama? Like jump. I'm not telling you to jump, but you know. What, you know, sometimes people will ask you to do what they could do for themselves. Jump yourself, Jonah. So they don't listen to Jonah and they're trying to row against the storm to no avail. When it's a matter of disobedience, and God is using storms to correct your disobedience, no amount of strategy, no amount of human effort is going to fix that situation. Because what God is looking for is not our strategy. He's looking for our obedience. Oh, but I'll go to church. But are you in my obedience? Are you walking out my obedience? Oh, but I'll tithe. But you're still walking in disobedience. And so we throw things at God. What about this? What about that? And we're still not operating in the obedience that God, the instructions that God told us to begin with. These guys are risking their lives. They're trying everything they know as skilled mariners to fix the situation. But this is not that kind of storm. This is a spiritual storm. This is a storm that has been appointed by God. And when God is using happenings to correct and align someone, you better be wise enough to get out the way. Let God's process work itself out in that person's life because you can become a hindrance to the will of God in that person's life. You know, we constantly jump into the rescue. There's something that I have to do. And if I don't do it, then it won't work. No, God is God. 
He's more than able to fix the situations. And if you keep rescuing them, they're going to learn to depend on you and not depend on God. Is there a God complex in our lives sometimes? We want to be codependent. We want to be feel the need to be needed. And we don't realize that we're blocking God's will in their lives. And I get it. God uses people in the lives of people. I get that to help people. I know that, but we must discern and ask God for his will. Is this emotional support I'm supposed to give God? Is this spiritual support? Is it wisdom? Is it some guidance that I'm supposed to give? We have to pray and ask God and seek God's will so that we don't become a hindrance in somebody's life. Finally, they did what Jonah told them to do. They threw Jonah overboard. And as Jonah said, the storms did cease. The mariners are shocked that Jonah's God is sovereign over storms. And so they turn their lives to him. They, they turn their lives over to the one true God, Yahweh. God will use even our detours. No season is a wasted season in God's hands. God was able to use this and bring these men into the saving knowledge of the truth. And even in Jonah's rebellion, God rescues him. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 17, it says, God appointed a great fish to swallow him and save him from drowning. This is not a fairy tale. I know that some people, this is a folk story. It's not a folk story. How do we know? Jesus talks about Jonah in the fish three times in the Gospels. He makes mention of Jonah being swallowed by a fish. This is not a fairy tale. When we understand how sovereign, how all-powerful God is, there is nothing for us to believe that he cannot sustain a man in the belly of a fish. You understand that he's the creator of all things, the earth and the fullness thereof, the seas and everything therein, that he created and controlled the universe, the stars that are in place. He created it all. When you understand that he shuts the mouths of lions, that he calls the moon to stand still, that he parts red seas in two, when you understand God, you understand that this is nothing for God to do. To sustain a man in the belly of a fish that he created. What are we talking about? Matter of fact, I don't want to serve a God that is not all powerful. That is not great and mighty. I don't want to serve that kind of God. God appoints the fish and it preserves Jonah's life in his belly. Jonah prays to God. He repents. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And God spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. The fish is more obedient than the prophet. That's a problem. I want us to read Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. It's not going to be on the screen, I don't think so, so I'm going to say it here. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I told you. Jonah arose and did according to the word of the Lord. Have you ever experienced the God of a second chance? I don't know. Do, do, do you know that there is a God of a second chance? When... When you've messed up, when you've rebelled, when you went east and you were supposed to go west, when you went north, you were supposed to go south, when you found yourself in Tarshish, when you were supposed to be in Nineveh, but God, the God of a second chance comes in with his mercy and his abundance of grace and lavishes upon you. The scripture says he's slow to anger and rich in mercy. I don't know about you, but he's a God of a second chance. He gave the fishermen a second chance. He gave Jonah a second chance. And he gave the city of Nineveh a second chance. And if we want to be honest today, we can say God has been the God of second chances in my life. I know the math ain't mathing for that, but you understand what I'm saying when I say second chances, right? He keeps showing up again and again. When you said I would never do it again, but you did do it again. And the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God meets you in the belly of the fish, pulls
we're going to try this one more time. Listen, church. I don't care about this clock. Listen to me. When you have experienced the God of a second chance, sis, nobody will tell you to worship him. No one will plead with you to worship a God who's been so merciful to you, who's been so good to you, who's been so gracious to you, who's been so kind to you. No one will beg you and plead with you to worship. Listen, when I preach from up here, I know that he's a God of a second chance. He's been it in my life over and over again. Oh my goodness, the God of a second chance. Here's what I want us to remember is that God's goodness goes deeper than our sins. Jesus. He's the hero in this story, saints. The sovereignty of God, the steadfast love of God. Aren't you glad for the love of God? It's not dependent on how, how many times you pray. It's not dependent on how good you are. It's not dependent on how many scriptures you know. The love of God is full and running over towards you. Listen, he first loved you. So when we say I'm doing God a favor by loving him, no, no, no. He's doing you a favor by lavishing his love in and through your life. He recommissions Jonah for his, for his God-given assignment. And as a result, the entire city of Nineveh repents and turns to follow Yahweh, the one true God. I know we're talking about the God of a second chance, and he is. But don't get to the place where, you know, I know God is merciful, so I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No, it doesn't work like that. When I realize that he's been so good to me. When I realize that his mercies are running to, over towards me, I want to live right. I don't want to live right out of religion. I want to live right out of relationship. I want to live right because I love him. No one is begging me to live right. No one is forcing me to live right. I want to run to the mercy and the goodness of God in my life because if it had not been for him, this is where Jonah should have been. That he's in the belly of a fish. And he prays to Yahweh, the sovereign God. And Yahweh hears from his holy heaven. And he reaches down. It's, he's down in the bottom of an ocean. Praying in the bottom of a belly of a fish. When I'm talking about he's way down, he's down. And even there. God's mercy is able to pull him up. Do you see this God I'm talking about? He's able to pull him up from the, 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 the Isaiah said from the miry clay. Puts him back, not in the water, on dry ground. And said, now let's do it again. Here's what I, okay, here are your blanks. I know some of y'all are just waiting on your blanks. Okay, here's your blanks. Three simple blanks. You don't determine who God assigns. God has an assignment for you. You don't determine who God assigns. Here's what he said to Jonah. Jonah 1 verse 1a. And the word of the Lord came to Nahum. No. And the word of the Lord came to Joshua. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The assignment is for Jonah. God gave Jonah this assignment. He didn't give it to anyone else. Our assignments are uniquely fitted for us. I don't have your assignment. And you don't have my assignment. And where's why that's good? I won't have to give an account for your assignment. You will have to give an account. For your own assignment. You remember when Peter messed up and Jesus resurrected from the dead? And the first, Peter sinned against Jesus. One of the, to me, most embarrassing sins somebody can do to our Lord Jesus Christ. Is to deny him after you've lived with him for three years. 
Jesus resurrects, and the first person he asks for, where's Peter? Why? Peter, you have an assignment. Why is that important? Because you would think Peter messed up so bad that God would take the assignment. He comes back and offers it to Peter. He said, feed my sheep, Peter. I remember being in a backslidden state church. I'm not going to go into it. But I was in a backslidden state after being filled with the spirit. After knowing Jesus. After coming into a relationship with him. And I fell so deep. And I was staying in a small condo in Lauderdale Lakes. I was a single woman at the time. In sin. Up to my eyeballs. And God enters that small living room. And offers me again. The assignment he had told me years before. And I'm thinking, I'm too far gone. I've messed up too much. I've done too many ugly things. And God says, Nadine, the assignment is still yours if you want it. And I'm living out that assignment this morning. What are we talking about? He's the God of a second chance. And he will come into your situation. But you have to respond to the assignments of God on our lives. We run from our callings. We run from our assignments. We run from our purpose because of failure. Because of the past. Because of sin. Because of what they said. Because of offense. Because of hurt. Disappointments. Fear. Shame. Guilt. But no matter the reason. It will not Release you of your responsibility to walk in your assignment. Let me tell you something about feelings and emotions. It will rob you of your God assignments. What they did to me, what they said to me, and I get it, feelings are real. It's real to the person who feels it. I, I totally understand that. But why doesn't God move according to feelings? Because feelings are subject to change. He moves according to mission. Mission and purpose. Why? They are eternal. But we allow our feelings to get in the way of God's mission and purpose. And listen, you're a part of a bigger picture. Your assignment is part of a bigger picture. But we allow our emotions and offense and feelings to rob us of our God assignments. All right, I'm going to hurry up. Every person, every person here, every person watching from online has a God assignment. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. Every person here, under the sound of my voice, every person watching online, you have a God assignment. It doesn't matter what people think. They think that you shouldn't or they think that you should. It does not matter. You have a God assignment. Here's what Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we are faithful to the small instructions, God can entrust us with kingdom assignment. David was faithful in the field. Then he was faithful with the, the lion and the bear. Then he was faithful with Goliath. Then he was faithful with the armies around and the nations around. Then he was faithful in the, the, the kingdom of Israel. And then God was able to move him to become the king of the kingdom he was to fight for. Small instructions leads to kingdom assignments. We have to be faithful to steward. We're asking God for kingdom assignments, but you can't invite the, the Starbucks person to church. How are you going to handle the major kingdom assignments that God brings into your life when you're not stewarding, when we are not stewarding the small assignments? Your assignment is unique to you. And God will speak your assignments to you in a way that you can understand. Jonah knew the assignment. He understood it perfectly. He just chose to run from it. 
Our assignments, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, eyes have not seen nor ears heard or entered into the mind of man the plans that God has for you. God has an assignment for you. Listen, turn to your neighbor and says, God has an assignment for you. Oh, no, you got to really tell him, God has an assignment for you. Stop being Jonah. Say it with an attitude. Stop being Jonah. <laughs> Second, so you don't, you don't determine who God assigned. The second thing is you don't determine what God assigns. You don't determine what the God assignments are. I'm going to try to read. Okay, we already read John 1, 1, 2, 3. I'm not going to read that again. That all right? Let them throw it on the screen. I'm not going to read it again. But this is when God goes to Jonah and he's appointing the assignment to him. He doesn't like it and so he runs. Jonah shows great disdain for the Lord's command. He doesn't like the command. And so he, he would rather die than to fulfill his God commandments. God's responsibility is to call us, assign us, appoint us, instruct us. Our responsibility is to yield and surrender. He's the potter, we are the clay. Now I get it. Jonah doesn't like the assignment because the, 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 the kingdom of Nineveh, the, the city of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh, they were brutal people. We're talking about barbaric people. They chopped people up while alive in chunks and fed them to animals. They pulled out tongues. I'm sorry if this is trigger, triggering anyone, but I'm trying to explain. They were brutal people and they were an arch enemy of Israel. And so Jonah doesn't like the assignment because he doesn't like the people. But God's primary language is a language of love. And aren't we glad that his language is a gland of love? It's easy to want grace for ourselves. It's easy to want a second chance for ourselves. We want God's compassion to be extended to us. We want God to be slow in, in judgment and rich in mercy. But we don't want him to give it to her. We don't want that same thing for him. And God forbid, not those people. And God says, yes, those people arise and go to Nineveh. We don't determine what our calling is. God does. God is the one who determines it. And we come to God on his terms, not on our terms. So we don't say, oh God, you can use me in this, but not in that. You can send me to these people, but not to that people. We, that's, that's, an, that's a calling that's on our terms. But we, want, we don't want to fulfill a calling on our terms. We want to fill it, fulfill a calling on God's terms. Because when it's on God's terms, his favor goes with you. His promises go before you. His mercy goes around you. His protection, he becomes a shield because you're walking in his promises, in his instructions, and in his will for your life and for my life. The calling of God is about mission, church. I think if I want us to get anything today, yeah, I want us to understand that it's God's sovereignty. But I also want us to understand that God has a mission in the earth. There's a, there's a plan. There's, there's a plan that is at work in the earth. There's purpose that is going forth in the earth. And you're a part of it. What are we doing with that? What am I doing with my goddess? I could give God excuses. I have. God, I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. God, why don't you use so-and-so? Why don't, what, 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 what? listen, and that sounds all uh, hum humble, right? It's rebellion. It's not humility. God says go, and you say, here I am. That's humility. I don't understand God. I don't know God. These people are evil God. These people are wicked God. But nevertheless, you remember Jesus in the garden? You're talking about emotions, feelings. The weight of the world, sins of the world was about to crush, be laid on him. We're talking about emotions and feelings to the umph degree. And yet he says, nevertheless. Imagine if Jesus would allow his emotions and feelings to rob him of that mission. Where would we be? 
It's about mission. Are you living on mission? Are you living happenstance? Or are you living on purpose? You were created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Do you get up with that in mind? Or do you get up, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to stumble in today. No, God, where do you want me to go today? Is there an assignment for me today? Is there someone I'm supposed to talk to today? Is there a co-worker, a supervisor, someone at public, someone at the gas station? Whatever it is, God, lead me, guide me, align me with your mission today. But we say that we are God's children. We say that he's our Lord. When in fact, we are the Lord. We go according to our will, our plans. Our, it's me, me, me. It ain't got nothing to do with God. And we call ourselves servants of the Most High. We're self-servant. We serve ourselves. He listened to the talk, my dreams, my hopes, my plans. The, even when we say the, God, the plan that God has for, even that, there's a self hidden in that. Man, we, 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 I know this is, we're, we're, we're supposed to do like a jumpy message, an inspiring message. I hope this does inspire you to get in alignment with your God assignment in Jesus' name. <laughs> lastly, lastly, you know, I got an issue with this clock. It's telling me I got 13 minutes, but y'all telling me I got a minute and a half. Marissa, you don't determine who, who, um, 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 who, who, who got the assignment. You don't determine the assignment. You don't determine who God gives the assignment to. What you do determine is obedience to the one who assigns. And here's where we land. Biblical obedience means... To hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and his word. I'm going to say that again. Biblical obedience. To hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and his word. God told Jonah to go east to Nineveh. Jonah went west to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. Listen to this. He went down to Joppa, down in a boat down in the water, down in the belly of a fish. Whenever you go against God's instructions and his will for your life, you will always go down. Oh, it may look like you're being successful. It may look like you're going north before people. But in God's eyes, you are going down. Obedience to God invites the blessings of God in my life. Listen, church. There's been times that God has asked me to do stuff and I've been afraid. Oh yes, I know who I am. I quote the scriptures. I know who God called me to be. I've quoted that. And there's times that God has asked me to do things and my knees were shaking. Or I just didn't like what God was asking me to do. But I've learned something. It's better to obey God than wish you had. And when you obey God, even when it's difficult, even when it rubs against you, there's a peace that comes with your obedience. When people look at you and say, what, you're leaving that? When God called me to leave a previous job at the Hilton and they were just like, what? What are you doing? Obeying God. But do you have another job? But do you know where you're going to work? I remember that supervisor said, this is foolish. Sometimes you got to look foolish for God. 
I'm not telling you what I feel. I'm telling you what I've lived. And what I see men and women in this book live out. And on the other side of their obedience was the floodgate of God's purpose in their lives. Of God's plans in their lives. And of God's favor and peace and joy and confidence in their lives. But disobedience. Disobedience opens the door for bitterness, guilt, Disease, resentfulness, fear, chaos, drama. Disobedience gives the enemy a foothold in your life. Obedience puts you under the shadow of his wings. When I know I'm walking in obedience, I can say, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Hmm. I remember there was this warden that was against me in the prison that I was in. This lady did everything she could against me. And all I was doing was teaching Bible studies in the prison. Because God told me to. And this lady would have, you know, the guards come and drag me out by my, my, my jumper. Embarrass me in front of all the women in the Bible study. She would come and have the guards flicker my light three o'clock in the morning while I was trying to sleep. And then finally they put me in segregation. You could Google what segregation is. I'm not going to go into that right now. And I remember being in that segregation. I said, enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired. You could do something about her God and you won't. You're sovereign. You're all powerful. Deal with this lady. You know, some things God wants to allow in our lives to develop fortitude, tenacity, endurance. And I remember saying, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to teach and preach in this prison anymore. But Jeremiah and I felt it said it was like fire. Shut up in my bones. I couldn't help but teach. What is that? Assignment. It's not according to your emotions. Is somebody hearing me today? It's not according to your feelings. It's about mission, Nadine. I got 3,000 women in this prison that needs to know who I am. Are you willing? Are you up for the task? Or are you allowing, like the city of Nineveh and Jonah, to have all these people go with a ruin without knowing me? I surrender to that call. I surrender to that assignment. And two months later, that woman was removed from that prison. I didn't pray for her to be removed. I prayed for, well, maybe not, but I prayed for either you remove her or save her. I don't know if she ever got saved. All I know, she was removed and a new warden came in that gave me everything. You want to, you want to hold Bible studies? I'll give you the gymnasium. You want more Bibles? You want more books for the ladies? Bibles for the ladies? Whatever you want, I'll give it. That, I wrote that lady's marital vows. Favor follows obedience to God. All right. Okay, we'll finish. Marissa, I'm not doing bad. I'm, I'm okay. What does obedience demonstrate? We're done. Obedience demonstrates our faith in God. I obey him because I trust him. I depend on him. I lean on him. I have faith. Listen, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. When you have faith in God, it pulls obedience from you. And we, can sure, and, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. When we obey God, we are showing that our trust, faith, 
and hope is in him and not our situation. Obedience demonstrates our worship to God. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, for this is truly the way to worship him. Do you know worship is not the songs that you sing? You could sing songs and still be in direct rebellion to God. Worship, true worship, is obeying God. Obedience demonstrates our love for God. The Apostle John says that loving God means we follow his commands. By this we know that we love children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. We don't obey God out of duty, out of ritual, out of religion. We obey God from love. It's adoration. It's relationship. It's, it, you know, when I, when I don't walk in obedience to God... It displeases me. I'm not happy to not obey God. That thing burns inside of me. And it's not that God comes to beat me over the head. It's because I know he deserves my all. He deserves more. And I want to I live a life, listen church, that's yielded to him, that surrendered to him, that prostrates myself before him. And I want to be that person that says, God, have your way in me. I'm t- the other day I told the Lord in the car, I'm just tired of me. I'm tired of not doing what you told me to do. I'm tired of not thinking the way I'm supposed to think. I'm just tired of me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm not. I'm not. And that made me tired of me even more. You, you deserve so much more. Listen to that statement. Obedience, finally. Obedience demonstrates our love for others. Oh, boy. This is where Jonah failed heavily. Obedience to God demonstrates love for others. You can't say you love God and hate others. It's a contradiction. Because when God loves through the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it can't help but to extend and flow through you. Luke 6, 35 through 36, but love your enemies. Do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. But he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. I want to read this, this, this um, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. This is not a cute wedding verse. This is an audacious invitation for sons and daughters of God to live out biblical love toward others. Biblical love, regardless of race, Democrat, Republican, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. He didn't say love this person, but not that person. He says love We've gotten this wrong. We say, I will love those who deserve it. Imagine if God said that. None of us could stand. The heart of God is seen in the story of Jonah. When we see the heart of God in the story of Jonah, we're seeing the heart of Jesus Christ. 
we do not have the freedom to choose which part of Christ's heart we will emulate. We don't have the authority to choose who God should show compassion on. We must have a desire to see all people come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Regardless, that was Jonah's issue. Regardless of their background, the love of God must be demonstrated through us to everyone. Jonah is upset with God because the people repented. This is the prophet of God. He's upset because the people repented and God shows compassion on them. God exposes Jonah's hard-heartedness towards the Ninevites because the prophet would rather see the Ninevites annihilated, dissipated, than come into a relationship with God Almighty. He could care less about their lostness. The prophet of God. Hmm. We do not get to decide who is worthy of God's grace. Where would we be? Are you worthy of God's grace? I know I'm not. So who are we to say who's worthy and who isn't? Our love for God is supposed to compel our love for others. People sing the songs, they have relationship with God, so there's a vertical connection. But among the pews, there's a disconnection. They get into that parking lot and they're verbally assaulting one another. Your vertical is supposed to inform your horizontal. If this is off, your horizontal, you cannot tell me this is intact. My vertical, my relationship with God will impact my relationship with others. Sing the songs all you want. Quote the scriptures all you want. Memorize books. If you have not love, you have nothing. Jonah failed massively here. Jonah technically fulfilled his mission. He preached and Nineveh was saved. But the same mercy that Jonah prayed for while in the belly of the fish is the same mercy he got mad at God for extending to Nineveh. This is the prophet Jonah. He didn't feel that they deserved it. Jonah failed the test of reflecting the God he claimed. To serve. Where are you, church? Do you have hate in your heart? Unforgiveness in your heart? And you may say, no, I'm, I'm good. Are you walking in God's instructions? Are you living in God's will? Are you on mission with your God assignment? Oh, but you don't know what they did to me, what they said to me, what they said. Are you on mission with your God assignment? Have you shelved the assignment after God has given you a second chance? And a se Matter of fact, this is one of those second chances right now. God is extending to you again. He's offering to you again the assignment that he has on your life. What are you going to do? You don't determine who God assigns. You don't determine what God assigns. You do determine your response to that assignment. How are you responding? Do you want to live on mission? Do you want to live on purpose? Do you want to get on with what God has placed inside of you? Do you want to go where he sends you and do what he asks you to do? And if that's the charge, if that's the case, then that's God's charge for you. Arise and go is what he told Jonah. And Jonah 
arised, arose, and ran. Are you running? Today, stop running. Get to that place where you say to God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. It's hard. God, sometimes obeying you is difficult. And God says, I know, but I've called you to live according to the kingdom. According to my mission, according to my assignment. And in that church, there's power. Power flows. Authority flows. Unction flows. You don't even know where it comes from. You just know you said what you said. You did what you did. You didn't even think about it in your mind. God just unctioned by the power of the Holy Spirit. God cannot bless rebellion. I don't know about you, but anybody ready to obey God? If that's you, why don't you stand to your feet? Listen, it's going to be hard for anyone to sit down after that, but I know we both. He told Jonah to arise and go. It's time. The world is perishing while we sit on our pews. People are lost while we surf the YouTube for the next church service. Lord, help us. While we sit in the comforts of our home, Jonah was sleeping at the bottom of the fish, of the, of the, of the boat. While the boat was capsizing. Didn't care one iota. Let that not be us. If you want to get on with your God mission and your God assignments and the purposes of God on your life, then you got to be able to say, God, I'm here. I'm not running anymore. I'm not going west when you told me to go east. Have your way in my, you could have cars, land, bank account, all of that stuff. And you're not in the will of God. There's no peace that's going to come with that stuff. I'm telling you. We have the wealthy jumping off of buildings almost it seems like every few months. Wealth doesn't bring peace. The Prince of Peace brings peace. And when we're walking in obedience, no matter how difficult it is, it invites the peace of the joy of the Lord, the favor of God, open doors, all those things are your portion. I want to pray over you and then the team is going to sing. We're going to pray. We're going to pray because I know y'all love the singing. But singing doesn't mean that my heart is postured toward obedience. I'm just looking at the screen and singing the words. Sometimes we sing those words, we don't even mean it. We're just machines without relationship and power. We're not going to make an impact in the world without power. You're not. If you have no authority, you're not making an impact. Relationship with Christ, obedience to Christ postures you for power. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, all over this place, you see your people across the airways, they're raising their hands as well. And I pray, Lord God, that you would activate and unction assignments in their lives, your mission for their lives, your calling upon their lives. Lord, begin today to align them and move them and shift them into their God assignments. I come up against every feeling that they feel, where they feel they're not good enough, where they feel that they've gone too far, where guilt and condemnation has come into their lives, where all those things are robbing them from the assignments upon their lives. Father, in Jesus' name, I cancel those feelings. I cancel the work of the enemy in their minds. I can't
cancel defeated thoughts and selfless thoughts and, and condemning thoughts out of their minds. And I release unction. I release power. I release authority and obedience to obey the will of God, to obey the purposes of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would stir up love on the inside of them, that they will love one another, that they will be sacrificial to one another, that they will show kindness and goodness and mercy to one another. Lord, I pray that you would activate them. Activate them for mission. Activate them for purpose. Activate them in their anointing. Activate them, uh, come on church, in their anointing, in their calling, and cause them to be fruitful in the work of God, in the assignment of God, and in the mission and the purpose of God. Hold on a second. Listen, hold on. Because I just sense the Holy Spirit is saying, mm-mm. They're not ready. Jesus. They're not ready, Nadine. To follow God. It's a commitment to him. Not to the preacher. Sacrificial. Some of us aren't willing to pay that price. There's a cost. The cost is your will. Your desires. Your plans. Your ways. And I'm going to tell you this much across this room. Many will not pay the cost and you will not live out your God assignment not because it's not yours but you are unwilling to pay the cost no amount of prayer somebody could pray until they're blue in the face but until you decide until you make a decision that no matter what, God, I am all in. I am yours. I am following you. I don't care what I lose. I don't care how it hurts. I don't care what the cost is. You're greater than the cost. My reward with you is greater than what you ask of me. So we're going to end here because the Holy Spirit says, "Mm -mm. you have to pray. You have to go to God on your behalf. Now he's the paracletos. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Jesus didn't leave you as an orphan, but he wants to see where your heart is. He wants to see the surrenderedness of your heart here's what I do know church everyone will have to stand before him and give an account I will not give an account for you you will not give an account for me we will give an account individually before the Lord and so we have to understand even from now how I live my life now will determine how I stand before him when I have to give an account. The day you were born, the day you die, the most important is the dash in the middle. How you steward that dash. How you live that dash. Unto the Lord or unto yourself. We're going to sing. We have an encounter coming up. Some of you have not been on an encounter. Encounter where you get away for three days. Some of you need a re-encounter. Go back to the Lord again. Some of you, there's a blockage and you don't know what's causing that blockage. I encourage you to go on that encounter and get away and lock away with God for three days. I know they gave you this, the, you know. Uh, mm.
We have a missions convention coming up next week. I'm struggling. Because we got to live right. We got to surrender our lives, church. We got to stop playing church. Because Jesus is coming. And he's not slack with it. But how will he find you? Will he find you yielded? like the Holy Spirit is weeping through me for you. God help us. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.